0: Okay, I'm going to talk about transcription and mRNA processing. And this is something we already discussed in Season 4, Episode 1. I don't know why Khan Academy put it in that episode and in this module also, Um, But I'm not going to skip it. And, you know, there's benefit to listening to this one because this is more in-depth. That was kind of an overview. Um, So let's begin. Um, Remember that transcription is the use of DNA to produce mRNA strands, complementary mRNA strands. Don't fall into the classic trap of believing that DNA is converted to mRNA because that implies that that DNA is a reactant that's somehow used up. That's not the case at all. DNA is just used to create, you know, uh, fill out a smaller form uh, of information storage known as the mRNA, um, kind of like you know DNA would be a full page and then mRNA would be a note card. That's, that's kind of the relationship. Um, uh, so uh, we're primarily going to talk about eukaryotic transcription because prokaryotic tr- transcription is actually really easy. If you recall, again, from that first module that we're repeating a lot of the information from, um, you, if you recall, um, in eukaryotes, right, the DNA is present in the nucleus, right? And the nucleus is not only a large organelle, but it's also, you know, it's it's in the nucleolus of the nucleus, right? So it's at the you know center, a very well protected uh part of the cell. On top of it, DNA or uh, on top of it, nucleus nuclei are membrane-bound organelles. So there's not it's not easy just to enter and exit. You know, they have this extra defense system. And so we talked about how DNA is in this nucleus, really kind of like in this guarded, you know, uh, castle or prison or whatever. And then uh, ribosomes, which allow us to produce these proteins, ribosomes are all the way in the cytosol of the cytoplasm. In other words, you know, say if you wanted to build something in America, but you have to travel all the way to Europe to do it. That's kind of what's going on with eukaryotic transcription. Prokaryotic transcription doesn't involve this. Why? Because they don't have nuclei. The the DNA is literally just free floating in the cytosol. So you could actually have, you know, transcription happening and then a ribosome floating right next to it and immediately do translation. That's not the case with eukaryotes. Eukaryotes, you know, are much more complex, larger, um, high security systems, literally. Um, And so that's why this process of protein synthesis is much more uh, complex, I can say, but, you know, a better word to use is uh, much more um, specific. Of a process than prokaryotic transcription. What this means is that, and we'll get into this. I don't know which module this is, but it's coming up later. We'll talk about how actually in eukaryotes the you know there are significantly less mistakes or errors. Actually, the the brunt of this module, you know, we haven't even really touched the really important parts of this module. But we'll be discussing DNA repair and the mismatch repair mechanism and endo and exonuclease activity, which are all very highly specialized forms of repairing errors in, in this process that we're going to talk about. So eukaryotes, while their process is longer, a lot longer, involves a lot more steps, it's to minimize errors. So prokaryotes, prokaryotic transcription, and prokaryotic protein synthesis involves significant, uh, significantly higher mutation rates and errors and all that sort. Um So eukaryotic transcription, I'll run through it, it's DNA to pre-mRNA via transcription and then pre-mRNA to mature mRNA uh, via processing and finally from mature mRNA to proteins via translation. And and note that the first three steps, DNA, pre-mRNA, and mature mRNA, all occur in the nucleus and then protein synthesis occurs in the cytosol. So let's begin. Um, I want you to consider a uh, protein coding gene. So literally just think of a, a, you know, a section of the genome, the DNA sequence, specifically one that's uh, a protein that codes for a protein. Remember, not everything, not every section of our DNA is coded for some specific protein. There are you know various other uses that we're going to get we're going to touch on later in the module, um, but specifically a protein coding section of the gene. And remember, you know, so I want you to think of the double helix. OK, and. You know, we can go a lot further than that. I don't want you to just think of the double helix. There's actually some terminology that I want you to be familiar with, namely three, or actually four: um, the promoter region, the recognition sites, the transcribed region, and the terminator. Okay, uh, and most of these are pretty obvious. Uh, the transcribed region the section of the DNA that's being transcribed, right? That's being read and you know basically copied onto the note card essentially. Um, and then the promoter region is the uh, binding site of the enzyme, okay? And remember, I told you in the previous module that what is the main agent in this process of transcription, the biggest, the heaviest hitter. I talked about it in DNA replication, it's the same enzyme. It 's a polymerase enzyme, right in this case we're talking about RNA polymerase. it doesn't really matter. you know DNA replication involved DNA polymerase, um, but just the concept of the polymerase enzyme that actually adds the nucleotides that does the heavy hitting work. Every other enzyme is you know helps out you know, it, you know there are some proteins that stabilize strands or other enzymes that you know fix errors, but the main the thing that's doing the, the grunt work is the the polymerase enzyme. It's the main actor that creates the nucleotide sequence that will become mRNA. Um, so that's why the promoter, sequence, the promoter uh, sequence is significant, because that is the place where the RNA polymerase, in this specific situation, knows where to start. It's its, it's binding site. And it, and it recognizes various sites. That's why we, to, we refer to them as recognition sites, as part of the promoter region. Um, And uh, the idea is that all genes have associated promoters, although some promoters can be associated with collections of genes. And I'm not really going to get into this too much because this is just a review playlist. But the basic idea you should take away is that if you have a gene, you have a promoter region, you have at least one, you will always have some promoter region, if you have a fully uh, functioning proper uh, gene. Okay, so I'll get into the actual steps of this transcription, although it's it's really, um, since we've already talked about it, it's going to take about 30 seconds. Uh, Number one, RNA, polymerase binds to the promoter region or promoter section of the protein coding gene. That's step one. Step two, RNA polymerase does two things. It separates the strands and um, it sequences a a new complementary strand for one of the original strands. And that's it. That's the end. That's the entire process. Um, I want you to notice, notice that RNA polymerase here separates the strands. Whereas in DNA replication, we needed to use a topoisomerase to unwind the helix. And then we needed a helicase uh, to actually unzip it. And then an example, the example of the topoisomerase I used in the previous module was DNA uh, gyrase. Um, that's topoisomerase is just the blanket term. So I'll note here that this RNA polymerase enzyme really kind of does everything, right? Because it, it separates the strands. Uh, so it kind of takes over the, the roles of topoisomerase and uh, helicase, and then it actually does the work that it already does, which is adding the nucleotides to create the sequence. So RNA polymerase is really, again, I, I will say it again, the, the main actor here. Okay? Now let's, take a, let's uh, pick apart that the second part of what I just said. The, uh, the RNA polymerase sequences a complementary strand for one of the original strands, not both. Okay. And you might say, wait, but why not? You know, isn't it correct? You know, isn't, doesn't it make sense to s- synthesize one for both? Uh, you know, isn't that, isn't that more efficient? Why produce one when you can produce two? I mean, you're already unzipping the strands anyway, right? And the reason is, um, the reason that only one strands complement is formed is because the RNA strand that you create matches the coding strand, right? It, it's not that you have three separate strands. You start with two strands, then you make, you synthesize a new one. And now you have, you have three strands you're two of which are identical, except you know, with one distinction, and that is thymine has been uh, replaced with uracil. And again, this is MCAT biology, so we have to go more advanced. It's not just replaced. What specifically happened? Thymine was demethylated. That's all. The CH three was chopped off. Um, and so, so I know that was kind of confusing, and it's really kind of difficult to wrap your head around. So what helped me is I thought of it like this: the complement of my complement is identical to me. The complement of my complement is identical to me, and this is kind of the idea that you have two. Str- you know, you you made a new strand, so you have three total strands, but two of them are identical copies. With again that distinction of thymine for uracil, but other than that, the information is, is essentially the exact same. Okay, uh, and so you know essentially uh, note that the RNA polymerase is separating the strand into these in the you know when you when it unzips the. Helix, um, it's separating the strands into template and coding strands. Okay. Template and coding strands. And you kind of know what those are. The template strand is what was used as the template. And then the coding strand is just the other one. Okay. Uh, So remember that the RNA is equal to the coding strand. That's what I was trying to say, that you have three strands. You have the template strand. You have the coding strand and you have the newly synthesized strand. The newly synthesized strand is exactly, it matches the coding strand with again, that difference, the, the new strand has uracil, the original coding strand has thymine. Okay, um, now, now that we've finished it, that begs the question, when does the RNA polymerase stop? How does it know to stop? And that's that last component of that terminology I was telling you. Number four, uh, the terminator region. And it doesn't need to be a region, it's actually just called a terminator. Um, But there are multiple mechanisms that terminators use uh, to hint uh, to the RNA polymerase to stop uh, synthesizing a new strand. And there's actually only two of them. And that's actually, once we do that, we'll be done with the module. We just have to touch on mRNA processing, but you already remember that. Um, so let's begin with the first mechanism that the Terminator uses. And this is the one that you're actually familiar with. Um, and that is, I, I call it recognition. It doesn't have an official name like the, the other one we're going to talk about. I call it recognition. Um, uh, and it is essentially where RNA polymerase recognizes a specific sequence. Uh, and that causes a conformational change. Uh, and so RNA polymerase, let's go. What does this sound like? It sounds like a stop codon, right? And that's exactly what this is talking about. This is, you know, we, we, we're we discussing it in very generalized terms, but the stop codon is one example of the concept of a specific section that exists not to be replicated, but rather to tell the enzyme to stop. And that's what's going on here is the RNA polymerase recognizes a specific sequence or a collection of sequences or even a longer group, whatever it needs to be, that causes a conformational change Uh uh, in the RNA polymerase. So the enzymes structure, as it you know reads the sequence, it, it changes shape and that causes it to fall off. And again, I wanted to in- include that, that, um, that idea because RNA polymerase, you know, is not communicating with the stop codon or that sequence. There's no communication. It's just that, you know, the, um, you know, it, it forces it to come off basically because of that confirmation change. So that's number one recognition. Number two is a more official, uh, uh, form, you know, in that it has a name. It's called the hairpin loop, uh, and this is essentially where the mRNA strand, okay, so the newly synthesized strand that we just made. And again, I want to tell you the mRNA strand. Is it a full? Is it a full? You know, double helix? No, it's RNA. It's a single helix, right? Literally, think about the the ladder cut in half. That's what we're doing here, right? And and the reason I do that is what I'm just about to mention now is that the mRNA strand folds on itself and actually reacts with it, with itself if you had it if you had a ladder if you had you know if you had the the double helix uh, formation if it folded on itself nothing would react because the bases are what we, what react with each other right you know if if anything actually the, the we actually know that the um The double helix, the outside is very negative. Why? Because of the phosphate groups. We've already talked at length about this. But, you know, like charges repel. So DNA can't, you know, a DNA double helix wouldn't react with itself. So that's why you have to understand that this is an RNA single helix um, structure. Okay. A single helix. So, you know, you have these nitrogenous bases that react with themselves when it folds on itself. So that's what happens is that mRNA strand folds on itself. Um, and, uh, the proper or complementary base pairs combine when they fold on themselves and this hairpin shape, it literally produces a hairpin shape. Okay. Kind of like, uh, like the Greek letter Omega. If you guys are familiar with physics, uh, it kind of looks like that. Um, uh, and this uh, impairs polymerase, which causes it to let go. So these are the two mechanisms through which uh, RNA polymerase is is actually forced to stop, not told uh, is a better word, forced to stop uh, replicating. So after this, at this stage, we have an mRNA strand, right? We started it, we replicate the new strand, we synthesize the new strand, and then we stopped it. So now we, we have an mRNA strand, right? We're done, right? No, because this is eukaryotes. And I spent five minutes at the beginning of this uh, episode talking about eukaryotes are very specific and very selective. Okay, so they need to make sure that the strand is perfect and so for this reason, mRNA processing begins. Uh, in the case of prokaryotes, at this step, we're done, right? All we needed was an mRNA strand, and we have maybe some errors. It doesn't matter because it's prokaryotes; they're simple organisms. Um, so this, the, you know, in prokaryotes, this strand that we have at this point would be enough to go to the ribosome for protein synthesis to begin translation. But eukaryotes require processing, and um, I've already discussed processing, but I'm just going to add it to this module just so it's here. Um, there are two things uh, uh, with processing. There is protection via the addition of the five prime cap, uh, uh, and then the addition of the poly A tail. I want to add a little bit more because you know you you should be rewarded for listening to this episode for 14 minutes. So I'm gonna add something that I you know didn't add. It wasn't included in the previous module, and that is that the five prime cap is really just a modified guanine. Okay, so it's actually a, a guanine molecule. Guanine, you're familiar with guanine, um, amino acid, and it's just modified, and that's all the five prime cap is. It's not some complex molecule. It's actually a single molecule, uh, and this assists with tra- this assists with translation as ribosomes attach. So the identity guanine makes tra- you know helps translation run smoothly. Number two uh, is the addition of the poly A tail. I've already told you that's just a group of adenines uh, that, and these ensure that mRNA's ends are not damaged. They don't react with anything. They're not uh, harmed by By exonucleases, we're going to talk a lot about those in a bit. And finally, to finish this module, you know the actual the the actual process uh, the the actual um, part of processing is the uh, removal of introns or non-coding strands that are spliced out via spliceosomes that literally cut them out and then uh, sew the remaining sequences known known as exons. They sew them back together essentially. And this takes your pre-mRNA and forms mature RNA or mature mRNA. I'm sorry.